Uh, I think that that's trying to say to us that when Chesterton is talking about liberty or being liberal, what he's really referring to is that fundamental mystery of uh, the freedom that a man has as part of his will and what he does with it. What, what say you to that? Well, yes, exactly. Part of, part of the human mystery is that we've been given by God uh, free will. We're not slaves to instinct like the other uh, animals. Uh, we don't merely do what we're programmed to do. We are actually free to do what we want to do. Uh, and that, that of course, uh, is, is a great gift and also a dangerous one because we can do a lot of bad things with the abuse of our freedom. So mm. you know, that's why Edmund Burke says uh, liberty itself must be limited in order to be possessed. That basically if we want to actually have true liberty, we have to put constraints upon our freedom. There's a paradox, I mean, you know, something which Chesterton mm -hmm. himself, of course, excelled at is an apparent yes. contradiction that points to a deeper truth. Liberty itself must be limited in order to be possessed. That's right. That's exactly right. And, um, Another thing I wanted to ask you about, um, Chesterton also, and you wrote this in your 1999 essay that was in the Chesterton Review, um, defending, I mean, it's clear that Chesterton was, like many people, like Belloc was, and like uh, Christopher Dawson and many sensible historians, given the context of the time, they were um, sympathetic towards Mussolini. Uh, of course, Franco was much easier to be sympathetic towards. He was much more explicitly Catholic and... And the evil of communism was a, a great evil that uh, there was a sense of uh, almost desperation that they needed a strong man to combat uh, the evil strong man, if that makes sense. So I think he did a great job of of distinguishing the three different types of fascism, the idea of the sort of everything that isn't liberalism must be fascism. <laughs> so everyone who's a fascist, that's kind of what we see today. There's the imprecise definition where we have sort of everybody... Um, uh, who supports something that's anti-communist must be fascist. It includes everything from Hitler to Mussolini to Chesterton or to uh, Franco to Salazar to uh, Dolfus uh, to Morat in France, anybody. And then there's the specific actual definition, which is pretty much only ever played out in the fullest sense in Italy under Mussolini. Um, there's a book that's recently come out and uh, the spectators put a review out. I can't read the review because it's uh, behind a paywall. <laughs> but it said uh, basically the darker side of Chesterton. And it's calling him basically a fascist from as far as I can tell. Chesterton was a big proponent of what he would call democratic principles. Um, what, what does that mean insofar as... Um, because he was sympathetic towards Mussolini, but he also was someone who really exalted the polity in their um, their voting capacity. How do we reconcile those two sides of Chesterton? Well, first of all, we have to understand that Chesterton's belief in democracy is not the same sort of macro-democracy, uh, this really a plutocracy in disguise, mm. which we see in, in, in the modern Western world today. He believed in the genuine democracy, which is where people have genuine power to have control over their own lives. Um, that, so that's the first thing. Secondly, I'm pleased you said Chesterton was sympathetic to Mussolini, because that, that's true in an absolute sense. Because the point is that he outgrew Mussolini yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and became very disillusioned with Mussolini. So many people, when Mussolini first came to power in 1922, um, with, the, with the famous march on Rome, people saw it as um, a positive and healthy reaction to Communism, bearing in mind, of course, the Bolshevik Revolution had only happened five years earlier mm -hmm. in Russia in 1917. So there was this there was this po polarity going on, this polarization of society, 
uh, where the belief was that uh, the world was either going to become communist or the only alternative would be that it would become fascist. Now, Chelsea, uh, that Chesterton never uh, fell into that uh, rather simplistic dichotomy, but he did at least at first see uh, uh, Mussolini's fascism as a healthy reaction to Marxism. But he outgrew that. He basically saw in the end that Mussolini's, Mussolini's regime was just another form of secular fundamentalism, which put uh, religion uh, uh, under the, the, the heel of the state, that put uh, the economy under the heel of the state. Uh, and really, it doesn't really matter whether, whether the, the state is run by a, uh, a secularist government that calls itself communist or a secularist government that calls itself anti-communist. So... so Chesterton certainly outgrew Mussolini and became very disillusioned with Mussolini um, once he saw where it was actually uh, leading. Um, and uh, this sort of secular fundamentalism, if you like, uh, this, this, this uh, secularist ideology, which uh, fascism and uh, communism and national socialism uh, were, were all different, uh, different types of. And ultimately, as Chesterton would certainly have, have believed it doesn't really matter if 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 the, if Christian if the Christian conscience and Christian freedom and political conscience and political freedom are being crushed under a jackboot. It doesn't really matter if the jackboot's on the left foot or the right foot. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, I think um, you're correct. I, my my ancestry is Italian. And I lived in Italy for a time as a kid. It's an open secret in Italy. Uh, that everyone kind of goes, yeah, we, we kind of liked Mussolini, but he had some problems, but it's more of a positive uh, view on him than a lot of our sort of leftist culture would have us admit, considering the reaction against fascism has been um, very out of proportion. Let's put it that way. You know, it's been very uh, irrational. Um, and when I was reading in uh, your view of Chesterton and his reaction to fascism, along with Christopher Dawson's and Belloc's and so forth, um, it seems to me that uh, at the heart of his uh, resistance to uh, going fascist all the way, as tempting as that was at the time, for legitimate reasons, as we said, because the communism was such a menace, was the fact that, uh, I think you caps encapsulated this in your essay where you said, um, authority itself almost became something like an idol, and no one stopped to say, was the, th was the authority itself legitimate? Can you comment on that? Yeah, I think that Chesterton says something, which I think I quote in the essay, bearing in mind I wrote that essay over 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but I think I wrote in, I quoted Chesterton's essay that the, the problem with Mussolini is that he gives us an appetite for authority without mm -hmm. giving us the authority for the appetite. That's in right. Words, That's you right. Know, on, on, on what rock are you actually founding and building your authority? Is it just the state? Because if it's just the state, then, then we have a problem there, because the state, first of all, is, is, is secular, and secondly, ultimately, it's relativist, because uh, you know, states change with the times and with the economic and political circumstances. You know, you know, so, so that ultimately, Mussolini, for all of his authoritarianism, was a relativist. Because mm -hmm. you know he he you know I, I I am the person ultimately who's the arbiter of truth. Well, every relativist believes that. The only difference is that Mussolini had power to actually do <laughs> put his own relativistic beliefs into practice. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, and I think that's um, you know the Second World War in so many ways was like the last vestige of 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 flickers of of light from the old ways versus the encroaching 
globalist state. And uh, the effort was valiant on behalf of the Italian people. And I, I have to say that as an Italian citizen. <laughs> but it was, um, it, was, it was missing the explicit kingship of Christ. Now, when um, uh, the Nazi movement was gaining steam... There's another little red pill of history for a lot of people that a lot of people were sympathetic to the Nazis, but uh, they did not know of a lot of the idiosyncrasies of the Nazi ideology because that wasn't published in the papers. It wasn't really some people did, but it wasn't the widely known thing. It wasn't as if they knew about uh, the atrocities that you hear about today until much later on in the run up to Hitler's rise to power. It really was sort of a. A microcosm of the back and forth power struggle going on in former Christendom, and he was just sort of one of the players of the day, and he was charismatic and so on and so forth, and he encaps- and he uh, captured a lot of people. But Chesterton noticed that there was a thread of eugenics within Hitler's philosophy, um, as well as in uh, Ch- um, Churchill's, which he called out uh, many times. Can you speak about Chesterton's resistance to the idea of eugenics and, that, and how that helped him to resist the allure of uh, national socialism, which caught many intelligent people? Yes, basically, you know, that Chesterton ultimately roots his understanding uh, of the human person in the, the divinity and incarnation of Jesus Christ. And if, 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 if we are made in God's image, and if God becomes man, then there's a dignity to the human person. There's a dignity to every single human person. So but eugenics basically is making the human person subject to science and subject to social experimentation. Um, thus, eugenics includes, for instance, Nazi eugenics certainly included um, uh, the uh, enforced sterilization of... Uh, of uh, parents that were, that were deemed to be um, uh, feeble-minded feeble-minded exactly That's right. yeah. the the, the uh, abortion was certainly part of uh, that uh, racial purification program and it, it's no it's no surprise that margaret sanger the founder of, of, of planned parenthood was a nazi sympathizer yeah. and that she actually sent uh, uh members of her organization to nazi germany to see how uh, Hitler was putting this uh, birth control into practice um, and, and indeed writing glowing uh, reports of the wonderful Nazis and their progressive understanding of birth control uh, in Planned in, in Parenthood publications. So Chesterton, of course, saw through all that, saw the evil that's inherent in that, the, 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 um, the neglect and ultimate um, subjection of the dignity of the human person to scientism. Um, and political ideology. He saw the evil of that and called it.